A reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day, is its own trouble. The word of the Lord. Good morning. That's kind of weak. Good morning. Ah, that's better. Thanks. I know you're with me. It's always a, uh, a treat for me to be back here at uh, Christ Church here in Vienna and uh, see what the Lord's doing, see so many old friends, uh, some from Young Life, some from Truro, and some new friends that I've been making as I've been able to come out here and been privileged to speak. Thank you, Johnny, for the opportunity to minister. And uh, this morning, um, I get to carry on in your series on the Sermon on the Mount and pick up kind of where we left off last week where uh, they they were talking about, um, you know, what lasts in terms of treasure is storing up for yourselves treasure in heaven versus treasure right here. And y'all have been walking through this series, uh, going through these different passages of what does kingdom life look like? When you talked about kingdom prayer, uh, when you talked about kingdom love, deeper issues, what's a kingdom perspective or view of life? And, and so I, I want to bring that up uh, in your mind again if you've been present for this series, to go, this is not just an isolated message today. This goes with the entire kingdom perspective of what does life look like if Christ is king in your life, if he's number one? What's it look like? And uh, question, as as we kind of move on, I want you to pause and and, kind of internally answer this question. Uh, Think of a time in your life when you've been really stressed out, really worried. Everybody think of one? Can you think of one? Think for a minute. Could be this week. Could be the rain is getting to you. Um, what, what is it that causes stress for you? What is it that causes you to get anxious, to get worried? Just when you hear about a certain situation, it gets to you. For some people, it's the news. You know, to watch the news recently, and like the government shutdown. Maybe some of us in this room are, are on hold. Our jobs are on hold while the government is kind of in this weird uh, process of figuring out, well, who's going to give first? Which side's going to give first? And both point the fingers. And I'm not here to make any political statement other than to say it can create stress, can it? 
and, and you hear about the national debt. Well, what's going to happen? Are we going to raise the ceiling and, and, and incur more debt? Or are we going to uh, go ahead and, um, you know, is China going to call our loans? I mean, what, what does this mean? And it can create a whole lot of anxiety. That's just the financial anxiety before we go into all these other areas. But, but I ask the question, what is it for you? I don't know about you. Uh, I, I know about myself, and, and some of this has to do with my own journey. I, I, the last day, I would say I was entirely stressed, didn't see something coming. Sometimes it can be stress or anxiety can come as a result of a whole lot of little things happening that mount, and then it just feels like it's ready to boom, like a volcano just kind of erupt in your life. Other times, it could just be one big thing. And, uh, you know... Um, I would say August 21st, I had this date hit and just kind of give you the backdrop to set you up for that time, kind of what led to that. I've shared with with, uh, you in my times here about my wife and I, our own Sandra and I, our discernment process for what's the Lord have for us. And we're trying to figure out, we felt like 17 months ago, God called us on this missional journey to, to go and serve wherever he wanted us to serve. And it, it began 17 months ago, really, because we invited this missionary couple over to our lives, because every time this guy spoke at my church, I would think when he left, I would say to my wife in the car on the way home, I'm jealous, I want his job. I, I, I really, I feel like he's out there really doing ministry with lost people, and I'm in here working on two programs a week to minister to the already convinced. I really don't feel like I'm making, I, I feel like God's gifted me more in, in evangelical bent than it is to be... Uh, sitting in here just doing more programs. So I, we invited this couple over. They talked. And honestly, what caught me off guard was this guy pointed at me at one point in the night after dinner and just caught me off guard entirely with his question by asking, if you could do anything with your life right now, what would you do? Just answer. Don't think. Just answer. And I want to pose the same question to you this morning. If you could do anything with your life right now, if, if sky's the limit, God is calling, and he is able... What would you do? Would it be anything different than you're currently doing? If so, why aren't you doing it? I mean, what's holding you back? Isn't that kind of disturbing? It messed with me too. The only, only more awkward thing was he was waiting for a reply. And so I did respond. And I said, oh, man, I, I would be in the mission field. I would be out... Uh, Reaching lost people, I would, and, and so I started saying stuff. He said, man, where, where, where do you think you'd go? And I said, Europe, probably Italy, because I got a connection there. And, and so we, we just talked more, and that started this journey. We prayed with this couple. When they left that night, my wife and I prayed again. And in, a, in, this, in my journal, I wrote kind of eight f- items down that I would call kind of fleece items, like, God, if you're in this, then answer this situation, and, and then I'll know you're in it, because I don't want to do anything apart from you in it. Uh, and so... One of the things I wrote was, God, if you're in this, get me out of my current job. It would be really irresponsible, it feels like to me, to be excited about this meeting and then go quit my job. You ever hear somebody like quits their job and you're like, what are you going to do next? I don't know. Like, maybe you should quit after. You have the new direction. Just a thought that most parents would ask their kids. And so uh, at, at any rate, I... I so I said, that would be irresponsible, Lord. That was one of the things on there. We had seven other things. I won't bore you with all of them, but I will tell you that the Lord is faithful, and he responded quickly. In fact, at 1130 at night, when I wrote that down, I did not anticipate that 10 a.m. the next day, my, uh, our executive pastor would say to me, hey, Will, um, you know, we've got this big church change-up going on, and I wonder if you'd consider resigning because we're doing this gift analysis hiring. We hired a new senior pastor. He's the similar gifting to you, so Sorry. But would you consider resigning? I'm like, 
I, I did not take that as like, thank you, Lord, my first confirmation. <laughs> I was really annoyed. I like, you sure you're hearing right? You, you know, maybe we shouldn't hire the new guy. That's another thought. Um, honestly, I left there with this sense of God's in this. I would have timed it differently, Lord, but he knows that. His ways are not our ways. His timing is not our timing, I've learned. But we've learned to trust him this, Lord, uh, this, this year, that we've learned to trust the Lord. And part of kingdom life is getting out there and saying, uh, what, what does it say? Without faith, Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God. Do you want to please God? Back to that question a minute ago. What, what do you, if you could do anything right now, if God, if you know he's in it, what would you do? And does it look different from what you're doing currently? Would you do it? And if, if the only reason you're not is because of worry and anxiety, that's a problem. That means there's some block there in our ability to trust him. And so let me fast forward. Every, can I tell you, seven of the eight fleece items we put before the Lord were answered in the affirmative this year. And it has been a crazy year. I, I've talked about it in some of my messages with facing an aneur- brain aneurysm and an aneurysm that went away. And then it came back three times the size. And then we went in for not one surgery, but two surgeries. And my wife miscarried. And now she's pregnant again. We're excited about that. But all these different things. It has been a roller coaster ride. So the 21st of August, we ended up in court. The final fleece item was we had said, uh, you know, to the Lord, if we go, we want full custody. As we have a, uh, primary custody here, we want to be able to take Haley, our daughter, with us. My other three kids are grown. They're in college. But Haley, we're like, Lord, we think that would be a good thing. And so we, we had to go to court for that. And while we were in court, five-and-a-half-hour trial, at the very end of this thing, this, this judge just said, hey, you know what? His actual line was, I don't even know if I'm making the right decision here, but uh, I'm just going to go with the safer bet and say she's got to stay. So if you leave... You lose primary custody. If you stay, you retain it. I I was shell-shocked. I was like, okay, Lord. Wow. We left that courtroom, and my wife said, you know, I'm just going to go off with my mom. I need to be alone for a little bit. And I felt the same way. I thought, I need to be alone. And did you ever feel like you just hit the bottom immediately? And I went, Lord, what happens now? (laughs) What, What did you set us up to answer seven and not the eight? That's really weird. That's really awkward. And so I actually started walking because I don't know what you do when you get really anxious, but for me, I need to exercise, I need to get away and feel like I can hear from the Lord. So I started walking. I was at the Fairfax City Courthouse across the street from Truro, and I started walking there, and I kept walking towards Ashburn where I lived. I don't know. I think my original thought was, I'm just going to walk home. And that got really, uh, became a really stupid idea after two hours, and uh, especially when the rain started after an hour into it and I was walking in my suit. I, I literally walked past somebody's house. I, I went uh, kind of close to the Wee Guards. I know where they live on Miller Heights. I, th- I debated, like, should I go to the Wee Guards? And I kept going and I passed the, the Houston's house and thought, should I go that way? I'm like, no. And I kept walking. I didn't really want to be around people. I just wanted to talk to the Lord. At some point, some lady did walk out of her house and start walking next to me with an umbrella. She's like, oh, you need an umbrella? I'm like, oh, thanks, stranger. And... Uh, she, literally, when she turned and she goes, do you want to keep my umbrella? I'm like, how nice is that? And no, and she left, and I kept walking. But honestly, if you go, well, whoa, what's, what's the point? Well, my question to you would be, when you and I hit moments where you go, God, what's the deal? I mean, a storm hits in life. Maybe it's medical. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's something else. You fill in the blank. What do you turn to? How do we deal when... When life gets us so anxious, so kind of nervous, and to the edge of going, what is the deal? You know, what what do we do? 
How do we respond? Well, this morning's, uh, if, if that's uh, ever been a question in your mind, I think this scripture will uh, connect with you. And so let me uh, throw up that first uh, verse. It's um, Matthew 25. We just read it a minute ago, 25 and 26. It says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't, uh, uh, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more, value, more, much more valuable than they are? Let's just stop. What's your biggest stress? Is, it, is, that, is that your biggest worry in the morning? Like, what will I wear? I mean, do you get to your closet? Like, oh. I mean, does that stress you out? That's not really my biggest fear. Any other men with me in there? That's not it? I mean, do you get, are you at work like, what am I going to eat tonight? Oh. Does that stress you out? Not really. That's probably not our biggest stressors in this area, correct? That might not be it. Uh, it may be for some of us. But let me, just, let me just make a quick comment on the word therefore. When we start verse 25, it says, therefore, do not worry. Whenever there's a therefore, we want to say, what's it there for? So we go back down to uh, verse 24 says, um, no one can serve two masters. Either hate the one, love the other, be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore. In other words, some of us get confused, especially in this area. Money, God, money, God. I need more money. I need to make more money. Money is the answer to fix these problems. Is it? Money's, by the way, money, uh, some of us can go like, man, money is just evil. And first, first Timothy 6.10 says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, uh, which, which uh, while some have coveted after it, they have erred it from the faith, pierced themselves through, with many sorrows. In other words, some people have wandered from Christ because they put money first. It didn't say, by the way, money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. To somehow start to think that provision and what's in our bank account is our security, God has a great way to remind us that it is not. And and financial struggles can hit. And sometimes, the Lord, I believe, allows it to show, well, who do you worship? Is your security in your account, your 401K, or is it in me? Do you trust in me? If, if your worries, your anxiety this morning is financially related, I got news for you. God is bigger. That's why the therefore is that do not worry about your life or about your bank account. Do not stress about it. I know that God, you know, I, I often know when I feel like God's spirit wants to use something in a message because I'll get hit with trials or temptations that relate to the message that I'm about to speak about, about trusting and they caused me to like, this morning I got online on my account. And I said to Sandra, $350 just came out of my account from our trip. We just took a mission trip. I wasn't in Italy yesterday. What, why, uh, did someone get my card? I started freaking out. Someone has my card? Or did they wait two weeks to run the... So I start stressing. And I went, wait a second, Satan. And... Uh, I, I got time. It's Sunday. I can call the bank later. Anyway, and so I had a few things hit even this morning, this morning. And I actually went down to flip on my computer to actually go over my message. And then I'm like, oh, bank one. So I looked at that one. Wait. So financial stuff can get us, but don't worry. And I love that image, that picture of the bird that he says. I, I brought a picture, an image of a bird uh, feeding its young. And um, I hope, I don't know if anybody eats those, but this... Uh, this sparrow is feeding its baby. And I just want to say, is this a picture of stress to you? Do you think that that mother sparrow was like, oh, where will I get worms? Where will I find them? 
And, and the, the image that Christ uses is they, there's no little birdie refrigerators and freezers. Stock up for the winter. I mean, squirrels bury, you know, bury, bury the acorns and stuff. But the birds don't have this system, right? They don't. So they have to, and do you ever see a bird on this? I mean, I see a lot of pigeons when you go to D.C., but you're never like see one with a little talon out like, uh, you know, seed, seed. You don't see them stressing out. And, and that's the illustration Christ uses. Uh, and your heavenly father who loves the birds feeds them. He's always got enough seed or food or mealworms or whatever they are. He's got enough. He takes care of it. They're not stressing. And then what's he say? Okay, so, and we're like, okay, why are you talking about birds, Jesus? And he says, are you not of more value than birds? You're, you who are made in, in your father's image, and God will care for you, and he'll take care of you. Question, here it is. Do you trust him? Do you trust him, or are you in control of that? Is he in control, or are you? Because the kingdom life we've been talking about in this series is all about trust. It's all about saying, is he king? Do I trust that God, the living God, is really able and alive and wants to be involved in every aspect of my life? Or do I hold some for me and give him the ones that I know I can't control? Because what he's saying, for him to be king, for him to be Lord, it's all of it. It's all or none. Christ said, if you're not willing to give it all, what's he say the rich young rule? If you're not going to give it all, take a walk. And Judas was probably like, dude, he's got a lot of money. Let's work out a payment plan. Let's take some now. And what do you say? Let him walk. I don't need it. The God I serve, it doesn't need money. He doesn't need one more gift. He's actually able to do it on his own. I love this picture. I was just reading through 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4. If you're bored later, look it up. I love this passage. It said, uh, it came across this widow, this, this woman. She was married to a prophet, and her husband dies, but apparently they had some credit card debt because he dies leaving her with a bunch of debt. And she's stressing out, and she says, the debtor is coming, but the collateral in that time... She said, he's coming to take my two sons to make them slaves. Would that not be disconcerting? I'm coming to take your children today. The, can you imagine the bank could take your kids? Maybe some of us would be like, yes. Um, uh, but is it, I'm coming to take your kids and sell them into slavery. She's stressing out. She's freaking out. She, go, she goes to the prophet, to Elijah. Elisha, not Jah. And, and she goes to him and says, oh, what am I going to do? And I love his response. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, I don't know what would, would the Lord want me to do. And so he, he, he says a little prayer, gives her a response. Here's his response. Go back and get jars. Send your sons into the community to get as many jars as they can with oil. He said, because, oh no, excuse me, his first question, what do you have? What do you have? Said, All I've got is like a half a jar of oil. Does that sound familiar in any of the Jesus accounts when he gets to the feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000? What do you have? God is a master at taking what you and I have, what little we have, when we think, it's not enough. Do you ever feel like what you have is not enough? It's not. But Christ will take what little we have and multiply it. In the same regard, the living God takes this. He says, what do you have? All I have is a, a jar with some oil in it. Okay. Go collect jars. Send your sons out. Collect as many as you can. And so she does. they get them back. And then he says, and then pour from the little jar you have of oil. Pour it. And it'll keep pouring. And fill the jars. And so the, the jar, these boys, imagine these boys coming out of these glass jars and she's filling and she's filling. Can you imagine filling something and it just doesn't empty? How cool is that? And it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps going. It says at the, at the end, it says they got, got to the point and they, she said, go get some more jars. And, and the son says, there's no jars left. We got them all. And then it says, it, it, you go back and read it yourself. Second Kings chapter four, it says, and at that point, the oil stopped flowing. That's the living God, isn't it? 
He gives you just what you need and above and beyond. And then she goes back to the prophet and goes, what do I do now? I got a lot of oil. He says, sell it, pay off your debt, live off the rest. See ya. That's the living God. He can take what little we have and multiply it. And, and so going on in this uh, same account, he says, uh, verse 27, chapter 6, verse 27 says, Can any one of you by worrying, great question, add a single hour to your life? Some of us who are aging would like to. Uh, and it says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the, uh, the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And so uh, I got an image for you. I think we can put up there. Uh, of a field of lilies. Can you imagine that? Just seeing that many flowers in, in bloom. Beautiful. And, and so he comes out, and Jesus gives this picture. Imagine this. Question. When you look at that, an image like that, a field of flowers, do you go, do you, do you feel really stressed out? Does it make you go, oh, it just bothers me. No. Kind of peaceful. Next question. Do the flowers look like they're stressing out? Or do they go, ah, I've got a bloom. They're, no. And Christ is saying, your heavenly Father takes care of the rain, takes care of the sun. He's going to work the process, and he takes care of them. Are you not of greater value than a bunch of flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow? Consequently, we are like the grass that's here today and gone tomorrow. But he's, Jesus is giving a second picture to say, God can take care of you. He's got it. Don't worry. And he goes on, verse 30, and says, If that's how the Father, uh, God, clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow and thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? In other words, are you going to trust? So do not worry about your life saying, What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For the pagans run after such things, and your heavenly Father knows you have needed them. So in other words, what he's saying is, the world worries about stuff like that. Sometimes I have to limit how much time I put on the news because the, the world is stressing out and they want to pass it on to us and it's sensationalized and it, it's enough to make you shut it off and go, what's the deal? I really don't, I felt good about my life before I turned that on. And, and really what he's saying is, well, the world does worry about those things. That's what Jesus just said. But not so with you. Not if Jesus is king. Not in the kingdom life. Not a kingdom perspective. You know, and so you might say, well, Will, what's the deal with your legal situation? So you walked away. How stressful was that? Honestly, you know the question that posed in my mind during my two-hour journey? One question came to me at one point while I was praying. It was this question. Will, what, in the last 17 months of this journey, this missional journey we've been on, what, have, what has happened or transpired ministry-wise that you had nothing to do with? In other words, what did I not create? What did I not come up with? I had my own little plan for the Lord, yeah, it's pretty much out. But I thought, what has come up? Well, we've got this new ministry with, uh, with, with guys from Ghana. I kept meeting. I've talked more about this in, in previous messages. But, but with guys, we kept meeting people from Ghana that are local to us. And we have this Ghana ministry in our home. It's primarily with guys that are Muslims. And, and I can dial back. The first thing that Jamie and Donna told us to do when, when we, when we uh, lost our job was... He said, I want you to, Sandra and you, to fly up to Minneapolis and take a training course called Common Ground. I'm like, what's that? He's like, it trains you to work with Muslims. I'm like, I don't even know any Muslims. Why would I take that? He's like, just do it. I'm like, awesome. And so, uh, and, and I wonder when, when Elijah sent off the widow, go get jars. Like, why do we need more jars? I only have half a jar of oil. Just do it. 
Some of the kingdom life is all about listening and obeying, listening and obeying. We went and did this. Well, that set us up. The Lord knew what was coming. We started meeting these Muslim guys from Tamale, Ghana, and now we have a Muslim ministry in our house. They come just about every Wednesday night for dinner. And it's funny, this last week I was at Harris Teeter. Most of them I met at Harris Teeter, at Home Depot. And you can have an international ministry right here in Northern Virginia. You realize that? You don't even have to leave for anywhere. And, and I was at, I was at a Home Depot, uh, excuse me, at a Harris Teeter earlier this week. And the guy who I've been, one of the guys at Harris Teeter I've been ministering to, a guy named Justice, who we brought to Disney World with us, he, he, uh, he's been transferred to produce. So I was talking to a guy from produce who runs that whole department. And he, he's going through a rough marriage thing. And, and, uh, he, but he manages that department. Well, now Justice works under him, and I'm talking to Justice, and the two of them are kind of together. And Justice turns to Eric and said, you need to come to one of these dinners at the Craven's house. Why are you not there? He's like, well, I'm not from Ghana. He's like, but you can come. I'm like, awesome, yes, he can. Okay, so maybe it's the Harris Teeter Home Depot ministry. I don't know. But at any rate, this thing's kind of growing, and we, and we didn't set it up. Well, that was one that the Lord answered in my mind. And, and, and I believe, what I felt like God was saying was, it's not time for you to leave yet. You have more work right here. And, and then uh, the other thing came to my mind was, Sandra, my wife and I run this Chinese ministry for uh, people that, kids that, teenagers that come from China, and they do English as a second language, and we look for host families for them, and the families, we, we find are Christians that minister to them. The guys that ask us to run this aren't even believers. They're not believers. They just, they're in it for profit, and they bring the Chinese kids over. And we said, we'll help you run it if you let us share the gospel. We're like, cool, we don't care. Share it. Have fun. And we do. And the response we've had, we've had uh, over 200 uh, Chinese middle school kids raise their hand and say, I want Christ in my life, and take home Chinese Bibles back to China. Fired up and uh, excited about their new faith. It, 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 it's something that we didn't go looking for. It just kind of fell in our lap. People are like, how did you end up with this? I don't know. We are just kind of following the Lord, and this came up. And then so our last uh, deal was with the Italy thing. We were asked to work with a group of uh, Catholics uh, that are in northern Italy uh, from Verona that I happened to meet, which I think was no chance, at Truro Church earlier this year because of connection when I was at my dad's funeral. And I was wondering, you know, I think back over the last 17 months about this journey and how God is this great story weaver, how he takes these little details of our lives that we could so easily miss if we're not open to the Spirit of God to say, God, what are you doing right now that I have nothing to do with? You're just setting it up. And he, and he sets us up and he tees up the ball and says, will you trust me? Will you hit it? And will you, will you follow through? And so at the funeral, somebody said, you guys are going to Italy. You need to be here at Truro because we have a a Catholic priest from Verona, Italy, speaking about he's doing Alpha and how it's grown their church to like 4,000 people, which is the largest uh, attended Catholic church in Italy right now. So we said, oh. So we met with this guy who spoke no English, and he had a translator, Alessandro, and his wife, Christina. We met with them, and they said, you need to come help us. They actually, long story short, we ended up there two weeks ago. And they said, basically, talk to, through with us. How, how often can you come? We'll just get you over here for, like, kind of youth rally stuff and speak to teenagers, help us with uh, what we're doing. And so it's kind of in connection with what Turo's doing. We've been on this new path, too, for me to become my ordination, to also be uh, honored through uh, the Anglican Church, which I'm kind of on that discernment process now with people from this church. All those things, I felt like the Lord going, I, I've got it. Well, I've got it. You don't have to stress out. It's okay if your hub for ministry is right here in Ashburn. I can take care of that. And one of the things that occurred to me as I walked was, and, and God was not shocked or surprised on August 21st. He wasn't. One of the things God does not experience that you and I experience is stress. There's never a moment where the living God goes, oh, what are we going to do? Get some angels there, quick. He's never freaking out. 
He doesn't have stress or anxiety. He doesn't have wonder about what's, what's going to happen in the future. I'm not sure. He knows. He's aware. The living God calls you and I. And I was, I was kind of looking uh, at the scripture of this. I, was, I finished uh, reading 2 Kings. I was like, I think I'm going to go to Isaiah because he was talking about all his time talking to Isaiah and, and the prophet. And so I've been reading through Isaiah. And I got to this one verse when, when the Lord's speaking to Isaiah to speak to the Israelites to say, you guys are putting your hope in the Egyptians and in the other surrounding armies who will come and help you to fight for you and in false idols. By the way, the false idols are just, I love his word to Isaiah, just, they're just stupid. And you guys are dumb if you use them. You actually carve an idol out of wood, then you use the same wood to cook for your fire, and you're worshiping that? Are you, are you dumb? And then he said, but then here's the living God. And so, so the people asked, well, what do we do? And I love Isaiah's response in uh, chapter 30, verse 15. I think I've got it to put up there. It says, uh, th- this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. He says, but you would have none of it because the Israelites didn't want it. But I want you to pause and think about those four things he mentions. Number one is repent. He says, in repentance. And in rest is your salvation. When you're stressing out, is your thought, I'm going to go rest now. I'm just going to take it easy. I don't know about you. I have a preponderance towards do. Let's, man, we better act. We better do something now to fix this. I love that picture. Like, no, stop. You need to repent of any, any false ideas where Christ is not king in your mind or your life. It's a good time for you to stop and get that straight. Repentance just means I'm going this way. God wants me to go this way. Or whichever direction he wants me to go, I need to turn and head in alignment with the Spirit of God. That's walking according to the Spirit, which has everything to do with this kingdom life. And when I was thinking about this year, I felt like the Lord going, I had this. I've got it. And, and so... Uh, and so I don't know what your MO is for trying to deal with stuff, but this thought of, okay, if there, is there, to stop this morning and for all of us at the end of this time to pray and say, Lord, is there any false thinking I've got or wrong directions I'm headed in? Is there something I'm doing you don't want me doing? Is there something you want me to do I'm not doing? And the next part, he says, rest. And say, okay, Lord, now you've got it. And the next part, if you, get, if you catch it was, he said, and then in quietness. I mean, some of us in here, if you're introverted, maybe that comes easy to you. If you're extroverted or you're a doer, quietness is maybe difficult. But I don't know, some of us are constantly surrounded by sound and noise and electronics and TV and video and music. To shut off the iPod and shut off the TV, just be silent. Say, Lord, what do you want to tell me? That's an act of trust. And then he said, and then, ironically, trust. Be quiet and trust me. And he said, and that is where your what comes from? Your strength. See, all of those demonstrate total trust in the Lord. Repentance. Uh, uh, repentance and then uh, being you know, willing to rest, to, tr- to be quiet, and then to trust. And so I don't know what your MO is when you like get stressed out. What do you turn to? Do you work harder? Do you medicate? Do you just stress out? Do you become paralyzed with fear? I don't know what to do. Uh, do you complain? Do you call others? You know what just happened to me? And you tell like 20 people? Do you feel better when you do that, by the way? Or are we not like the news station? We just spread our stress to all these other people. I was already stressed about other stuff. Now I'll be stressed about yours too. Thanks. Uh, you know, what, what do you turn to? It's a whole lot of stuff. I can tell you this. There's only one thing that actually works, though. It's the Lord. 
I think God just waits patiently for us. Like, okay, you can try that. You can try that. When are you going to come back to me? I'll wait. I'll let you. God is a gentleman. His, his, it says his love is everlasting. His faithfulness never ceases. And, and the Lord waits for you and I. I. I came across this. I don't know if you ever uh, read any devotionals, but I, I have this uh, devotion I'll go to sometimes, Jesus is Calling, which is uh, gal wrote, kind of listening to the Lord as she was reading through the Scripture. She wrote a different thing every day. And I don't read it every day, but some days I just feel like I should read it. I was stressing out on one particular day. Um, it was October 7th. And I, I'd actually been watching the news on, online. I'd read a couple things. I went, oh, man. And, and my cycle of thinking went, this isn't going to be good. And, and I was walking through kind of the, the knock-on effect that would affect finances and other things in my own life. I'm thinking, this isn't good. And I was kind of freaking out. And then I opened up this, and I want to read to you uh, this. And when I, when I read it, I love how she writes this um, devotional. She writes it as though it's kind of first person, the Lord speaking to us. So listen to this. I don't know what causes you anxiety, but I would encourage you this morning to hear this as though it's the Lord speaking into your life in the same regard as do not worry. It says, uh, it says this, in order to hear my voice, you must release all your worries into my care. Entrust to me everything that concerns you This clears the way for you to seek my face unhindered. Let me free you from the fear that is hiding deep inside you. Sit quietly in my presence. Allow the light of my my life to soak into you and drive out any darkness that is lodged within you. Accept each day as it comes, remembering that I am sovereign over your life. Rejoice in this day Uh, that I have made for you, trusting that I am abundantly present in it. Instead of resenting or regretting the way things are, thank me in all circumstances. Trust me and do not be afraid. Thank me and rest in my sovereignty. And so the Lord is saying there, I I want you to trust me. I have this plan. And if you didn't catch the end of the worry the worry portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sums up that worry portion by saying this, and it's one of those well-known verses. We've got it in multiple songs. It's uh, Matthew 6, 33 and 34. It says, but seek first his kingdom. In other words, seek first Jesus King in your life, Lord of your life, number one. The first priority in my life and your life ought to be him saying, come to me, seek me. I want to be number one over uh, who you date if you're in the dating realm, over what school you go to, over your job, over your finances. I want to be king over your marriage. I want to be king over your, uh, uh, gosh, you name it, your vacation time. I want to be king over your spare time. I want to be king over your time on the internet. I want to be king over what you think about your thought life. There's no area in our lives that God is not concerned about, that he is not Desire for you and I to surrender. He said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. I love that word. Uh, I remember one of my seminary classes, um, one of the professor said, you know, the word righteousness in the Old Testament, it's a bad translation. He said, actually, a better translation from Hebrew to English would be right relationship. Seek right relationship with me. I don't know about you. When I hear the word righteousness, I think of, I got to be good. I got to do good stuff. I got to impress God with good stuff. And, and the truth is, what he's saying there is, seek a right relationship. 
Are you in right relationship with the Lord right now? And I think we all know whether, whether that's true or not. And he said, and, here's the good news. If you seek those two things, Christ first and a right relationship with him, he said, everything else will work. He'll take care of the rest. He said, then uh, all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, here, here's, the, here's his encouragement, do not worry about tomorrow. Anybody stressed about tomorrow? Monday? It's coming. It's going to be rainy again probably. Okay, it says, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I think one of the enemy's favorite things is to either get you and I focused on the past and you feel regret and like, if only I hadn't done that. How much can you do to change your past? Zero. It's gone. It's over. It's in the past. I love that scene in Lion King where Rafiki clocks uh, Simba on the head and is like, he's like, why'd you do that? He's like, don't worry. It's in the past. It's like you worry too much about your past. This idea that forget about your past and... And press on. Look, look to what God's doing today and don't worry about tomorrow because t- today has enough concern. Do you have enough going on today? He's like, just trust me for today. I love that expression. My, uh, my sister who goes to AA who's been sober for about 20 years says, um, you know, one of the AA expressions is uh, just in terms of today, living for today, um, and I just blanked on it. What is it? Anybody know it? Um, for for uh, uh, that AA says, um, anyway, it's... One day at a time. Thank you. One day at a time. And my sister expressed it this way to me. She said, you know, if I worry about where I might drink tomorrow or the party coming up, I'll freak out and get so anxious, I'll have a drink today. She said, but they teach us in AA, if I can just be sober today, I made it. It's, it's kind of what Christ is saying here. If you just live for me today, it's enough. The only day you have to live for Christ is today. Fully. Completely. Every ounce of your life. And so as, as I close this out, what I want to offer to you, I, I, I opened up by saying this message is, is, is within the context of the entire Sermon on the Mount. So for some of us, for some of us, as you've been worrying, maybe the answer for you is to just, because you've been stressed, to give thanks. To start thanking the Lord for what he has given you. Because one, one of the enemy's tools or tricks is when things go well, we take credit, and when they go poorly, we're like, Lord, why? The world loves doing that. The truth is, the Scripture says, every good, good and perfect gift comes from above. When things go well, it's because the Lord blessed you. So give thanks. That's why he said, give thanks in all things, even the difficult ones. Receive them from the Lord. Shall we receive good things and not hardship as well from the Lord? Rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so maybe for some of us, what the Lord's calling us to do this morning in response to worry is give thanks. Give thanks. Sometimes when a storm hits, it's God's way to get our attention. And oftentimes we pray, God, deliver me from the furnace. I don't want that. But wouldn't you rather, let's say, if you were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abendo, have the experience of meeting God in the furnace than just being delivered? Sometimes, God, we say, God, deliver me from a difficulty, from a trial, from a storm. And other times, God said, I'll deliver you in the storm. I'll be in it with you. And it'll be one of the richest things I can use for the rest of your life if you allow yourself to walk through it and trust me in it. Rather than fighting it, give thanks in all things. For, you know, for some of us this morning, maybe we're like, uh, I need to fix things. I need to do something really good and go work. And maybe the Lord's telling you that same word that he said through Isaiah, repent and rest and just be quiet. Be still and know that he's Lord and just trust him. He's got it. That is an act of trust to not go and just do. Maybe, maybe for others of us, 
it's to stop and say, you know, there's different things that cause anxiety. Maybe for some of us in this room, it's relationships. Maybe there's some relationships that when you hear somebody's name, it just stresses you out. Well, I would, cons- I would encourage you to consider the earlier part of the Sermon on the Mount. What did he say? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. If there's people that just get you fired up, what does he say? Pray for them. To live the kingdom life is to forgive, to offer grace the way we want it given to us. Consider what would it mean to go serve others. We were flying home uh, from, from uh, Italy on a trip uh, just, just a week ago, my wife and I, and my wife does not like turbulence. She can tell you, she will, she will freak out. And, and uh, so the plane starts going nuts. I'm one of those guys like, ah, you know, if we go to heaven today, we go. It's, it's kind of like a roller coaster. And so um, we're on this thing. And it starts jumping, and she gets freaked out, and she hugs me. She puts her head in my lap. I was like, oh, is this going to last long? Well, I look over, and I'm on the, I'm on the uh, window side. In the middle is my wife kind of flipping out. Next to her is a lady we don't know who starts going, ah. I mean, I see her. She's about to snap. And I thought, oh, this is not good. I'm glad I'm not in the center of the two of them. And, uh, but I tapped Sandra and said, I know you're freaking out. And I whispered in her ear, what if you help the lady next to you through it because you can identify? And so she did. She sat up and goes, it's okay. And this lady was clearly, if, if my wife was like a five or a six on the worry scale, this lady was a nine. It looked like she was about to do something to, to get us all in trouble, you know, on the plane. And so Sandra started encouraging her, and, and she said, you know, that really helped to serve somebody else in the midst of it. Sometimes the best thing we could do, and, it's, and Christ talks about that in, in this sermon he preaches about kingdom life, where he says sometimes the best thing we could do in the midst of our stress is get our focus off ourselves and our own issues and go serve somebody else. I don't know what the Lord would say to you, but let's, let's close by praying and invite God's Spirit to have the last word, shall we? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite your voice to speak to us, to have that last word. Lord, you know each and every person in this room, the things that cause stress, the things that cause us anxiety, the things that make us worry, and you are able to take whatever we offer, whether it's a couple fish and pieces of bread, whether it's a half a jar of oil, whether it's a couple bucks in a bank account, whether it's a a couple teenagers that are really struggling, whether it's a job that's a mess or a lost job, whether it's a marriage that's on the rocks, Lord. Let's take this time right now to offer whatever it is for you at the foot of, just kind of picture the cross before you and lay those things at the foot of the cross. If something comes to your mind in this time that you know is a direction you're heading in that is not in alignment with God's spirit and where he's got you going, all you have to do is confess that. Apologize and own it. And invite the, the work of God's spirit back in your life, the blood of Jesus to cover that stuff. In repentance and rest is our salvation. Whatever it is you're worried about this morning, just picture yourself setting that at the foot of the cross. And let, let Jesus know in your own words that you trust him with it, that he's big enough.
and then thank him. In all things, we give him thanks. And so, Lord, we want to thank you now for the way you love us. Thank you for your ability to take all things, to know all things. Thank you, Lord, that you are 100% trustworthy and faithful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.